and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. Uh, excited to be back for episode number two. My guest today, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. The two of us made the trek to and from uh, the New York, New Jersey area for Sunday's Washington football team uh, loss against the New York Giants. We were both there for that. We, ha- we were also on Monday's uh, Zoom call with Ron Rivera. So we've got a lot to get into. We'll talk about, yes, the two-point conversion decision. We'll talk about Kyle Allen. But we won't just do it in the conventional way that I think kind of most of this conversation around town is happening. We'll get into some of the philosophy, some of the psychology that goes into this. Um, and, and also try to separate what's important and what is sort of getting in the way of having a reasonable conversation on both of these subjects, as, as I think people are putting, uh, uh, conflating too many topics together when when it's, this is a little more nuanced in some cases than that. All right, enough of, of enough of that. Um, again, thank you guys so much for supporting me uh, as I get to start here with this podcast again. Uh, I definitely appreciate your thoughts on Twitter, where you can reach me at Ben Standig. Those of you who have emailed me, you can do that if you want about this podcast or my work at The Athletic, um, and that's bstandigattheathletic.com. And of course, greatly appreciate all of you subscribing. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you find a podcast. I think we're still working on Stitcher, but we hope to get that up as soon as possible. Um, Just to reiterate the mission statement of this podcast, it isn't just going to be about the Washington football team, and I can promise you that with the upcoming podcast this week, at least one more, maybe two this week, but you know, the goal is at least two a week. Um, we're going to veer into some other areas. I want to talk to different people around town who are, who are outside of the, just this, this beat. Um, I've got other interests. I grew up in this, in these parts. I've covered pretty much every team in this town. I know pretty much every single person who covers the media. At least people have been around for more than 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and we're going to do that. So I look forward to having a lot more fun. I look forward to chatting with you guys. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig. And, um, look, uh, I, well, one thing I forgot to mention, um, Working on the audio, I, I jumped into this thing kind of kind of quickly, so I know I've I've got a couple thoughts about how to improve it. I think it's okay, but it can be better, and we want it to be as good as possible, and that's going to be the plan. So I appreciate the patience on that front. Uh, we'll, we'll work on that. All right, let's get into it. No more time to to dilly dally. Uh, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Time Dispatch. He is at Michael P R T D. Again, I'm at Ben Standig on Twitter. This is. The Standard Room Only Podcast. Here we go. All right. Uh, here we have uh, joining me on the podcast. He's the, the, the official second guest of the Standard Room Only Podcast, although technically he was the first guest if I could have gotten this podcast off the ground months ago when I wanted to, because he and I did a pilot that was gold, gold, I'll tell you, but the world will never hear <laughs> it. Um, he is Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Now, Michael, this is where normally I would ask the guests, how are you doing? But you covered the Washington football team with me, so I'm pretty sure I know your mental state at this point. Oh, goodness. What a day yesterday. You know, it, what matters is the pilot was beloved by the executives. And, uh, you know, we're, we're picked up here for season one. And, uh, goodness, we got a lot to grouse about. I mean, we can find some positives, too, but a lot to grouse about after losing to the Giants. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we're talking on uh, – Monday morning, we were both in New York or New Jersey Tech. Well, no, we were in New York. Then we drove to New Jersey for the uh, for the game. And then we drove back last night. You had a much longer drive than I did. Uh, but we're, we're back home, and we just got done listening to Ron Rivera discuss various things. Uh, you know, some of the some of the ground was what, what was rehashed from yesterday. Uh, did you have uh, – I've got specific questions to get into about yesterday, including – I think where people are, in my opinion, are missing the mark on the two-point conversion talk as well as Kyle Allen's performance. But did anything stand out to you from Ron's uh, uh, comments uh, just now? Yeah, I thought those were the two two big ones that we need to hit. Um, I, I probably uh, agree with you on both, maybe. Um, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, you know, I didn't think Kyle Allen was very good. So uh, I guess we'll see if we agree on that. But the, the two-point conversion, uh, you know, dominated a lot of the talk. And you know, frankly, it's it's tough for me to get worked up about second guessing or even first guessing something like that. It's such a, I mean, even if you're trying to sell me that the two point conversion was the wrong decision, what are you selling me on that it was sixty forty? You, you can't in good faith go any higher than that. It, it was a decision where both decisions had 
reasonable outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, that was a nicer version of what, how Michael phrased it based on what he told me before we started recording it, but I won't make well, it. Well, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the hundred. I just don't understand why people keep asking about it. Why are people <laughs> fascinated by it? He, he made a decision that so many other NFL coaches have made, a very reasonable decision that spared us all the, the horrors of 10 more minutes of watching that followed by a tie. What does a tie do for you? A tie does nothing for you. I don't understand why people are so fascinated by this and keep questioning them about it. Oh, right. First of all, right. Anybody who's complaining should just be like, hey, Ron, thank you for sparing us overtime. Are you serious? Who wanted to watch overtime between these two terrible teams? Like beyond, <laughs> be, be, beyond the results or work, the NFC East standings or Kyle Allen or any of that it was not a great game. I mean, yes, technically, this is one of the things I always think people – get wrong when they talk about say college basketball sometimes they, they equate a close finish to a good game no it, it, yes it came down to the last second and that makes it exciting it was not a good game both teams showed why they're at the bottom of the league in multiple ways we didn't need any more of that so praise ron rivera for for not putting us <laughs> through that one way one way or another um uh, Mike Shanahan did. Mike, Mike Shanahan did the same in uh, Atlanta in 2013. If you if you pull back on that, uh, good good for Mike Shanahan. I'm sure I put a smile on his face based on uh, on, on how I. He, uh, he had Kirk Cousins go for two. They missed. It continued their losing streak. But uh, I didn't care because I got to watch less of that 2013 Washington football team. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, now I do want to dive into this two point thing. For this sense, I mean, I wrote about this on the Athletic uh, yesterday. That, like, I, uh, among the things I wrote was, I, I think Ron Rivera made the absolutely right call, uh, in the sense that that's the move that a bad team makes. That, right? I mean, for, he he justified it in part because they were on the road, and you know, he just feels like if you're, he said, I think today that if you were at, they were at, had been at home, he probably kicks the extra point. But since they were on the road, he went for the, for the win. Be, beyond that, it, it's the type of move that a bad team makes i know everybody keeps saying well the giants like they don't want to give washington credit for anything because the giants stink well so does washington so uh, the, it, it, what do you, i don't know what people like are, are looking for the idea that like oh kick the extra point go to overtime that's all conventional thinking you know what i find in this world michael that people who 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 when faced with unconventional thinking most people retreat inwards and can't handle thinking outside the box and that's what they're really reflecting on they're reflecting on how it makes them uncomfortable far more than the actual decision itself this choice to your point you can make it either way but the idea of saying this was a wrong choice is beyond preposterous and it's largely because people just cannot accept that it was not the norm and therefore that's what they're really reacting to and i'm clearly on team go for two here if they had kicked the extra point, I would say something you picked up. I don't think that's the decision I would have made, but that's a perfectly legitimate decision because they were both perfectly legitimate decisions. It's like, it's like you got first and 10. What do you do? Do you run or pass? Like you can do either. That's the beauty of football. There's an infinite number of options available to you here. You can do either. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think on this thing, I think, and this, I think it's the same issue to some degree when we get into the Kyle Allen part of it. Is that people are they need to they, they need to we, we talk about separation in football we equate that with receivers getting open people need separation here with the issues on the two point play there is the decision to go for it and then there is separately the execution you do not equate the choice with the result that is not how life works in most cases to be honest you can do the logical thing and sometimes it works out you can do a reckless thing and sometimes it works in your favor. That isn't that is how life works, and you can't predict these things. The question I always look at with sports and to some degree with life, what was the logic when you chose to do what you did? Is there something to it? We've already established, I think, what the what the logic was for the two point for, for going for the for, for the two. And by the way, um look, the, the yes, I understand the defense did not give up a point in the second half to the Giants offense. The only points were scored on the on the fumble. By Kyle Allen. If you're an if you're a Kyle Allen hater, guess what? He might make a mistake in overtime that costs you the game. So you can't predict what would happen there. Um, and and sure, the defense was doing fine, but you know the Giants, um, you know whatever. I, I'm not. I'm, I didn't view it like the, this was the '86 Bears or '85 Bears out there, whatever. Like uh, you know, <laughs> you know they, they were okay, but the Giants, whatever. So I don't have. I didn't have an issue from that perspective but do you kind of agree with me that people are are lumping together the decision and the execution too much in this discussion 
Yeah, you know, people will always grade off the outcome. And, you know, I, I, I think the, the far more intriguing one to me was at the end of the first half, and uh, you were sitting next to me. I disagreed with the decision to not pin the Giants on the one. Now, the outcome was good there. They, you know, they, they scored a touchdown. It kept them in the football game. It, it, you know, so you can go back, and it doesn't necessarily make it the right call by Ron Rivera. It did in that moment, of course, because they got a touchdown. But I think that one's far more open to debate that, than the two-point conversion. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I think that one was more interesting, especially when when, when you're pinning them at the one yard line. Um, you know, if your defense can hold, you could get the ball back. And also, who knows? Maybe Daniel Jones makes a makes a Kyle Allen like play, gives you gives you a turnover down there. Um, <laughs> makes a Kyle Allen. <laughs> um, but but also, and, and the thing is to that point, right? A big uh, like an overriding factor when the Ron Rivera era is mixed messages. I was gonna John Kime asked him today about. The, that a lot of people are having issues with. He seems to be sending mixed messages. I, it was number one on my uh, to-do list today. In the um, when, when I got up to ask a question, because it is a big question. It is a big. It, it is confusing why sometimes it feels like Ron Rivera is talking about playing for the long game, and sometimes he's talking about winning the next moment. But that said, there is no mixed messaging on his riverboat Ron uh, aspect. This guy goes for it. And you know what? I'm okay with that. It's not always going to be the right call, but we know where he stands on this. And that's fine with me versus kind of lurching back and forth all the time, trying to make some calls. We know what he's going to do. The players said that as much yesterday as well. And I think to some degree, this is maybe a bit, you know, uh, optimistic, but like, I think that level of aggression fuels, gives the players confidence that they're like, especially at least the offensive players uh, that, Hey, we're going to go for it. I believe that you guys can get this done. And, and I think that's all positive. Um, regardless of, look, you have to make the plays. I'm not arguing that. I mean, we can get to the play call in a second, but I think I think all that's positive that he's he he has a plan in this one area. We don't have to debate what it is. We know what it is, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and you know, I, there's probably some benefit too to making the opponent know on your reputation coming in each week. There, this is a team that's going to go for it. We better be ready. We better spend time on that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, th- I think it and maybe keeps defenses a little, a little on their toes, a little edgy. Uh, I, I think there's upside there to, to having that reputation. And, and by the way, like, you know, I, I'm not paying that close attention to what the Giants have been up to this year, but I thought, so I don't know where Joe Judge stands on these fourth down calls, but when the, when the Giants <laughs> kicked their second field Good goal, then. yeah, when, he had, when they kicked their second field goal, they, they had the ball basically fourth and goal, I think at the one or the two, and they kicked the field goal. I thought that was a mistake in the sense for the same reason that you're a lousy team. Worst case scenario, you're putting the ball in Washington's hands, an offense that struggles to score, to have to go 99 yards, and you have a chance. You know, if you're the Giants. You're, you know, you, I think you were like 31st going, 31st in points per game going into it. You have a great chance to score there. I, I would have absolutely gone for it. Now, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say it was the wrong call. You put points on the board, and that's not a bad thing for a team like I said that can't score. Then it turned out it was their last points. But I just thought, like, for me, like, that's a moment where they should have gone for it. Um, and, you know, I suspect Ron Rivera would have gone for it. Um, so you look, you can look at it, you know, it's up to the coach to know his personality as well as what his team can execute. And, you know, I think, like I said, at least we know with Rivera where he stands. Um, as for the play itself, look, obviously it was a disaster. Um, I watched the replay, of the TV replay again. They had, I think, what, five receivers, I think, out in the field or at, out in the pattern. The Giants blanketed them. I mean, there wasn't, I didn't, at best, you could say Terry McLaurin came open for like a nanosecond. Um, if Kyle Allen had his eyes on him at that moment, I don't think he did. Give the Giants credit. They had, they blanketed Washington, Washington's options. That's part of the game too. You, you do the best you can and you hope that you have the right call. It just didn't work out. And ultimately Kyle Allen just threw the ball away. Maybe the best option would have been him running it. Uh, Rivera said after the game, he's got to make a call. He was too hesitant, didn't. So, you know, in terms of the play call, I don't have the playbook in front of me. Uh, I'll leave that to Mark Bullock to tell me what which play they should have run. But <laughs> but that was the bigger issue to me. It just it didn't work out, but I give the Giants credit for covering everybody who was out there. Yeah, kind of a perfect storm. The, the Giants covered everybody, but with, with a five-receiver set, that should mean that there's a running lane available to you. I think there was a running lane available to him. But remember, last week he ran, and the coaches said, hey, don't be a knucklehead, don't do that. I think that was in the back of his mind all day. I think we saw him a little gun shy on the run. Unfortunately, then most important play of the day comes down to him being willing to, to commit to the run and, and maybe take a big hit on the goal line. Uh, you know, it's, 
it's tough. It, that's that's the test Dwayne Haskins failed, right? That you know, hey, you spend all week telling them take what you can get, but then it's fourth down and goal. You have to go for the end zone, and he he didn't recognize that. I think it was kind of similar from Kyle Allen there. I really think that you know that the test there is, can you give yourself a chance to win the game, even if, even if you don't win the game? And again, go back to Haskins. If he throws it into the end zone and it's intercepted, that's fine. He gave him a chance. Allen didn't give him a chance. Um, that's an interesting. I had not. I hadn't really thought about it. The the, the in game test aspect of it. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think off the fly here if I agree with that. Um, I mean, I'll, ultimately, obviously, the play flopped, right? I think part of the issue for me, and I'm trying to pull up really quick what Kyle Kyle Allen and, said. And and okay. very good defense. I, I certainly acknowledge your point. Giants played good defense. You tip your hat to the other side sometimes. They get paid too. Um, for for sure. Um, I guess um, one thing I thought with Dwayne Haskins was when he was asked after the game or when told that Ron was testing him on that play and what did he think? He's like, I didn't know I was being tested, but I hope I passed. Saying this yeah. after, he throws a short pass that was, regardless of what you want to say about whether that was the best play or not, they didn't convert it. He, you know, the idea of saying, I hope I passed just made no sense when you obviously collectively didn't and individually didn't on that play. And I didn't get the sense from Kyle, Kyle Allen yesterday. By the way, Kyle Allen is a tough name to say. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put that out there. At least it is for me. <laughs> yeah, and we've got an Alex Smith too, another kind of white guy, a couple of syllables, rolls it off, has an A in there. Too too much confusion. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the vowel at the end of the first name starting with the vowel of the second name. I don't know. It, it it does not work for me, uh for, for for me there. But anyway, I guess my point is like I I didn't get the sense that Kyle Allen was that was saying to himself, Boy, you know what, I uh I hope I passed the test there. He knows he screwed up. And I think there is something to that, just the recognition of we, you know, what, what needs to, you know, that, that, that it didn't work out regardless of what you think you did personally kind of on that play. Um, but let's get to the Kyle Allen part of this, because I think, I think we may disagree here based on what I think I heard you say a minute ago about um, how you think of him. And I just, I guess I have to remind myself to repeat who the hell, who was talking here. This is uh, Ben Standard with the Standard Room Only podcast. We're talking our friend, America's favorite podcast guest, uh, Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times dispatch he is on twitter at michael p r t d um so kyle kyle Allen, i did embrace, did I embrace say, the bait let's do it <laughs> so did i hear you say you thought he did you say he didn't play well yesterday or you don't think he's good i uh, i will say both i believe both i i think he is bad and i think he was bad yesterday i i how can you how can you in good conscience say if you're on rivera how could you in good conscience stand up there and say, look at the stats. He got 300 yards. He moved the ball. Uh, so we didn't get points, but he moved the ball. That's literally what Dwayne did in the Baltimore game before he got benched. That's the exact same thing. So I was having this con- uh, discussion on Twitter well, uh, yesterday, the t- this morning. Did you, did you, so for you, did you not think that the offense looked appreciably better or, or better at all? yesterday versus at any point say at least since the philadelphia game fine i looked better wait what did it go from a three to a five tops tops i'm being generous at five there it's it was still an offense that works four yards at a time and you know what happens with an offense that works four yards at a time your drive gets derailed you get a holding penalty you get you get stuffed on first down you've got second and 11 you can't do it anymore you can't drive 75 yards every time with an offense that works four yards at a time. Kyle Allen was missing open receivers. They were not attempting to extend the field. He had two very nice touchdown throws that were very nice catches. Outside of that, I didn't see anything that would lead me to believe Kyle Allen could beat a good team. And in fact, he did not beat a bad team on Sunday, I might add. Yeah, for sure. So so let me go back to my idea of separation here, because I think on this topic, it's sort of the same Thing. So whereas on the two point play it was a, it was separating one thing from another. I think here's a three pronged separation. You've got Kyle Allen's individual performance. You also have the benching of Dwayne Haskins and you have the idea of whether Kyle Allen is a long term solution. I think these things need to be separated out entirely because the problem is that like. Oh, I, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Kyle, so if you want me to say this, I'll say, I'll, I'll say this because I believe this. Kyle Allen is a better quarterback right now in the NFL than Dwayne Haskins. 
that is true. By going to Kyle Allen, they gave themselves a better chance to win the game than if they had started Dwayne Haskins. That's true. But to me, the only thing that matters is the long-term. Binary scale here, Ben. One or zero. Yes or no. Is Kyle Allen going to be a legit NFL starting quarterback at any point during his career? Right. So I I, I would say the answer to that is no. I I, I, I think no. I mean, I've, I've heard people say you know, sort of Colt McCoy comparisons. And I think to me that makes kind of sense. There's a, there's, he's a guy that can come in um, off the bench or if the spot started as needed. He's got enough aggressiveness in in him. I, and now I I'll get to a stat that shows that he's still not they're still not going down the field at all. Um, whether, no matter who's at quarterback, but you know, I mean, he he's he's got he's got some juice to make some plays. Again, I'm not talking about winning games. I'm just saying he can make some throws that that at this point Dwayne Haskins cannot. Those two touchdown passes. I think there were some other throws that I saw. I, I when I drove back last night, I couldn't sleep right away, so I did turn on the tape like an absolute nerd. And um and watched watch some of it again. And I did see some other throws that were good. He made some plays with his legs, both to just get out of the pocket and also to to create uh to, to create something down the field, let let things happen. I think that's something that Dwayne was struggling with, including on that uh fourth down test play where he just sort of stood in the pocket and didn't move around to help, you know, move the defenders around and 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 so on. So I think on his just individual performance, I think that I think that Allen was was wasn't bad. If you look at, uh, I pulled up some of the next gen stats numbers. Again, you can pull up stats for everything to show the good and the bad. Let me not pretend otherwise. Um, he finished, they have a stat yesterday, completion percentage above expectation. So obviously just his actual completion, completion percentage minus the expected completion percentage based on how next gen stats judges his 42 passes. He finished with a, with a, a 73.8 completion percentage, the expectation 68.2 for a plus 5.6. That was fifth best in week six entering Monday. Again, it's just one stat. It doesn't mean he's the greatest quarterback of all time or that he's even good. It is to say though, that I think he showed, I think he did when given the opportunities was was relatively effective. Now, just for comparison's sake, on the course of the season, out of 37 quarterbacks that qualify for this stat, Dwayne Haskins ranks 35. He, he Three times he was a negative, um, minus eight or worse three times his best was the week four game where he basically was flat even um and, and I, I go back to what did Ron Rivera tell us when, when he was being asked over and over again about the benching and what what is Kyle Allen going to do he said well it'll be the same thing for Kyle Kyle will have the same guys out there he'll have the same unfair shake we'll see how it goes um actually it's not true because Haskins had Steven Sims uh, Kyle Allen has not arguably Washington the second best receiver so I I just think for me just in terms of Kyle Allen, again, I'm not saying he's a good answer. I'm not saying their offense is any good. I, I just saw more out of him, I, I'm arguably significantly more for me, than I've seen out of Dwayne Haskins to date. That's not about upside. It's just about where they're at right now. Yeah, everything you're saying is right, but I just I just don't understand why it matters. Like, what does that do for you? To, you know, I hope 6 and 10 is a lot of fun for you. Like, that, that's where Kyle Allen takes you to. Like, in the NFL, you either have a quarterback – or you don't. And if you don't, it doesn't matter if you marginally don't or if you terribly don't. You don't, and you need to get one. And it, like every minute you waste not having a quarterback is, is a minute you waste. So, so this goes to the second point I was saying to separate the, the decision to bench Dwayne Haskins. Um, I, I've stated in various formats that, like, you know, look, I'm not exactly buy, I haven't been like, you know, uh, spending all my money on Dwayne Haskins stock over the last year. <laughs> Um, it's, it's it's very cheap though right now. You can load up. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, what do they call know, it? Penny penny stocks. Yeah, penny stock. Yeah. Sadly, my account. I, I I used to work for some Wall Street firms back right when the tech boom was happening. So let, I did. I don't think. So let's just say I had a few of those stocks in my portfolio that at one point were considered to be really good, <laughs> like Pets.com. Or I don't think I had Pets.com. I'm pretty sure. Yes. I'm pretty sure I bought AOL at the tippy 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 top. Like I like I don't think there was a day where it was any higher, and then it was all negative. So I'm aware of uh, uh, of, of assets that uh, that that decline in value for sure. Um, <laughs> so so we can debate whether Ron Rivera though made the right call for the long haul to bench Dwayne Haskins when he did. I would argue he did not, even though as I'm saying, I, I'm not I have not a firm believer in Dwayne Haskins as an NFL starting quarterback. I understand the upside though. I see the potential. He's got the arm talent. He's got the size. Um, 
you know, I think there was a lot of talk about his maturity improving this year. And, and there were aspects of that, I think, that were fair, but there were still questions for me. And now we've heard some more about those questions in, in the last couple of weeks about is he doing enough work and things like that. And so I think these things are, are separate. I think going to Kyle Allen, I think, says as much about what Ron Rivera and the coaching staff think of Dwayne Haskins far more than what it says about what they think of Kyle Allen's upside. I, I've said for a while, I think what they this whole thing is an evaluation, which is why this division talk is, kills me. Um, this whole thing is an yeah. evaluation of Scott Turner's offense, of the personnel. And in order to do that, you need somebody in there to, who can help execute the offense. And that's where I saw as much from Allen yesterday. He, he gave them a better chance of doing that than anything we've seen out of Haskins. And then there may be other things more, more behind the scenes that we have heard a little bit about and maybe more that led to the decision. So I don't think this has anything to do with whether Allen is good or a long-term answer. I think this is, again, a separation for me as to the reason behind Haskins' is benching and where Allen fits in. Yeah, that's fair. And some other guys looked good yesterday. I thought the offensive line had graded out well yesterday. It was a good game for them, I thought. And, you know, I, I think Antonio Gibbs continues to make good strides. You talk about, hey, you know, pointing a new quarterback allows those guys to shine a little more. Maybe you get a little better over the course of the season. I, I think that's a real upside. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then, so the last part of this is the long-term solution. Again, I think when I see people talk about Allen's not I'd that love good. to hear one. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I don't care what Ron Rivera thinks or Scott Turner thinks. I mean, obviously, I do care. But like, if they can talk them, they can pretend that they think he's the answer. I can't contemplate that on any level they actually think that. I, I think what NFL coaches do is they fall back constantly, especially the offensive guys, maybe defensive too. They fall back on comfort. They ultimately fall, and this is not necessarily a great thing. This is just the reality. They fall back on the guys who they think will execute the plan that they see. That's why Jay Gruden kept going. He wanted Colt McCoy in there as much as possible, it felt like, even though by all by any eye test, Colt McCoy was not the answer. But for Jay Gruden, Jay Gruden had a vision of what he wanted to do, and this guy gave him the best opportunity, he thought, to at least run the offense as he desired. And I think on some level, that's what we're dealing with here with, with Allen. But I don't think for one minute that anybody actually thinks he's the answer. Yet, when he's out in the lineup, I think this becomes part of the, the discussion. It gets lumped in together of if he's the starting quarterback today, ergo, we must view him as the potential long-term answer. And I think that's part of the issue is I don't think that's remotely possible. Uh, and I don't think they think that ultimately. Yeah, that, that, and that, you know, you're talking a lot of psychology today. I like it, man. This is deep. Um, you know, it, this goes back to the two-point conversion as well. New things spook people and you know, I, I absolutely think coaches lean on comfort, and Kyle Allen is a comfort for Ron Rivera right now in a situation where he has very, very few of them. So uh, we'll, we'll just jump ahead here for fun. The 2021 starting quarterback, here, here would be the options that I would see it. You, you, you could hypothetically have Dwayne Haskins. I would argue, in fact, if they lose to Dallas and, you, you know, you go into the bye week, um, what would that be, one in six? I'm not saying I would have to start Dwayne Haskins week eight or at all, but like if he's still here past the trade deadline, I think logically he should be playing because you're better off seeing what he could do versus kind of just continuing down this road rad over time. But okay. Um, what, what, yeah. what, what, what about Alex real quick? Do you play Alex? Yeah. So I, I mean, to me, no, I think we've seen enough and I'm very happy that he was able to get back on the field. It's the story of the year. I can't wait to see, you know, Ryan Gosling in the movie and all that. Um, <laughs> But I, I don't see it. I, I mean, if they think that if they if they get to like one in ten, and decide. All right, look, just to put it out of every, just to make it clear to everybody involved, including perhaps the owner, that Alex is not the answer, and you want to start him a couple games. I, okay, I guess. But to me, no, I, I I don't view that Alex Smith is a long term solution in any way, shape, or form. I mean, again, we kept talking so much about his injury, we didn't even discuss. He wasn't that great in 2018. He was a game manager, the epitome of one. And that's fine if you're of a different team. That's not where this team is at now. So to me, no. But what, what about you? Yeah, I, I, I think Alex will play at the end of the season. Um, ceremonial is probably the wrong word because it's pro football and everybody tries to win. But once the season's out of hand and once it's clear that Kyle Allen's not any good, I, I could see giving him a few starts at the end of the year to celebrate what he's achieved. Low risk there, you know, I mean, the, the risk injury is always there, but, you know, not like you're going to be competing for anything. And I, I think it would be a nice thing to do. 
by the way, then we're going to completely this sidetrack here. I'm staring. We're doing this over Zoom, and I'm staring at your your image, which is the one you have on Twitter. You standing on top of a pretty big bale of hay, right? Is that what that yes. is? How, how did you actually get on top of that? Oh yeah, you can climb up. I, I don't know, man. I, I grew up in Kansas. Like I, I know my way around a bale of hay. That's the, there's there's your uh, statement of the day there, I guess. But uh, but is that, uh, but is yeah, that like is it up the side? Do you just like put your hands up and just pull yourself up? Do you run? Yeah. And jump? He, no, no, not a run and jump. It's a climb. You know, kind of, kind of dig your foot in until you can get a little, little divot, and then propel yourself up with a with a little jump there. So, yeah, you know, if we ever get near a bale of hay, I'd be happy to demonstrate. I may have lost my touch over the years, but uh, I think it would probably be amusing for everybody involved. Boy, I, you know, I, uh, we we were all just in New York, and literally a ba- playing with a bale of hay would have been the most exciting thing I think any of us did on Saturday night. So it's a shame. <laughs> It's a shame we didn't have we didn't have that because that could have been some uh, that could have been fun. All right, we'll have to look at the at the schedule and see where where do we get close enough to bail a hay? Maybe Dallas? I don't know. You you got to get Paris on the podcast. So he got kicked out of an illegal comedy show on Saturday night. He had the best New York experience of any of us. Oh yeah, no, he's uh, he's on the short list of people I may have to talk to this week. Only for that, I don't, I don't actually want his football takes. I just want to discuss no this, this great exactly. <laughs> um, um, okay, so we 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 just mentioned Haskins. Uh, Alex Smith, we've obviously just talked at length about Kyle Allen. Neither one of us think he's actually um, the, the solution, but I think he could be the backup quarterback next year. And he, of yes. the three, he's the one I would imagine the best chance to be on the roster. Um, th- th- that leads to, and this is a conversation probably for much further down the line, but just for fun for a few for a few moments, especially since I wrote the other day about what some what NFL scouts think of some of these 2021 20, prospects. What's your best guess, or what do you think would be the make the most sense right now? If they're in position for a top five pick and one of these three quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance is sitting there, um, do you go that route? Or do you imagine if Ron keeps talking about this wanting to win, win, win now, the NFC East stinks or whatever, I know this is next year, but does it make more sense to go with a veteran quarterback? Obviously, Cam Newton would be an obvious name, but there could be some other guys out there. Do you like the veteran route or do you like the draft pick route, knowing you still have to kind of rebuild with that with that player going? Yeah, I think you need to put Trevor Lawrence in his own category. He's generational. If you have the number one pick, you take Trevor Lawrence, period. And sort of, even like, so I posted on Twitter last night that I like Sam Darnold as a possible trade option. If the Jets are number one, it doesn't matter how much you like Sam Darnold. You take the generational kid. You have to take Trevor Lawrence if you're number one. Everybody else is a lottery ticket. Everybody else is, is you know, a guy who could pan out, a guy you'll need to develop around. Uh, you know, everybody else is just somebody that, you know, he could be good. He could not be good. I, and I think there's a very compelling case to go down the veteran road in that case because you're absolutely right. I don't think Ron's interested in being here for five years before he gets good, especially with this defense. His defense could cook if you, if you put a, a good offense around him. Yeah, I, I do think, and again, this is a topic for, for further discussion down the line. We'll need things to talk about if they, if they further if – the, if the losing streak doesn't stop soon. But the, it may make more sense on some level for sure to get a veteran – based on where this defense could be and also where Ron Rivera's mentality uh, might be um, down, down the line. Um, let, let, let's get to some other things from, uh, from, from this game. Uh, I don't know what, what, you know, you had a long drive back from New York to Richmond. I'm sure, I'm sure in between pondering what, what, what snacks you were going to have or why New Jersey still does full service at the gas station, which I was reminded of when I pulled off and makes no sense. Um, what, what 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 was like something that was like coming to your mind about this game beyond the quarterback stuff that we've already talked about? Well, I, I start with Landon Collins. I think Landon Collins was was bad again yesterday and struggled to keep up with Daniel Jones. That's a bad look for a guy who's one of the highest paid safeties in football. I, you know, I I just this defense has too much talent to be giving up plays like that. And I think on the whole they're playing fine, but it's the big plays that are killing them. And I don't know where you're at, man. I it's tough to say the defense underachieved because they didn't really give up any points, but the mistakes were killers. Yeah. I mean, when, when people, when I say that like the Washington's offense with Kyle Allen, I thought looked better than it had in a while. People are like, well, you're playing the giants. They stink. And all that is, is true. The giants, the, the arguably the worst offense in the league, or at least right at the bottom, they score points on their first three possessions. I mean, you know, I mean, one of them came off of a, an interception, which gave him a short field. But, you know, regardless, they, you know, they also scored a touchdown on that play. The defense doesn't have to give up a touchdown. 
Um, the Giants, did, they did hold the Giants to two field goals, unlike the Rams the previous week, who also scored in the first three possessions, all scored touchdowns. That's the difference between Sean McVay and the pieces they have versus maybe Jason Garrett and the pieces the Giants have. I already mentioned I thought Judge Joe Judge should have gone for that fourth down like at the one or the two. Um, yeah, yeah the, can we go down the Joe Judge rabbit hole for a second, though? He was sure. the worst of all the head coaching hires in this cycle. I, I think he'll be out of there really soon. He did. He definitely it, 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 he feels much more like a college coach with, with the way he's going about it. Uh, you know, he's being very, um, you know, but what was the thing I saw the other day? They practice in the pouring rain, even though this game was not going to be in the rain because he just said you wanted to take advantage of those opportunities. It's such like, a college move. Right. Who, who's doing that? This is how you lose the, the professionals. I'm not saying coddle them. I'm just saying that's insane. You can't, you know, uh, you know, I, I get, you know, whatever, you know, if, if you think it's going to rain, put the, you know, dunk the balls in water and have the quarterback and the receivers and other people get used to it that way. That, that, that's, that, that's a bit much. I'm with you. I, I, I don't know what his contract is, but uh, I would be curious, but look, you know, we'll see, we'll see how he, uh, ha- how he goes. Um, the Landon Collins thing though really is, is fairly fascinating. If his name wasn't Landon Collins, if he didn't have the contract that he had, I, you know, I think, I, th- I think there would be a lot more heat on him than there has been. And m- maybe, maybe this is where I, I, I kind of don't always dive into well uh, Washington football Twitter. So maybe there is a lot more. Um, negative- I, I think there's, I think there's some heat on him. I think some people are unsatisfied with the contract. Yeah. Yeah. For, 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 for sure. What, what did you think about the fact that, uh, I mean, I, you know, we're talking, I'm presuming you have not broken down the tape as they say, but DeShazer Everett played all but two snaps at safety, no Troy Apke at all on defense. Uh, also, Cameron Curl only played two snaps. His his snaps got knocked down a bunch. They went with more Jimmy Moreland and Fabian Moreau at corner. Um, I, I think DeShazer Everett, you definitely knew he was out there. He was hitting people hard all over the place. Um, it, it made an impact there. I don't know, though, if the, what the tape shows as far as his actual performance. I don't think that's a solution either, but uh, it kind of just shows how they're sort of winging it at some of these spots right now trying to trying to figure out what they could do anywhere yeah remember brandon merriweather he's like sure. the second coming of brandon merriweather guy like does Everett's gonna get suspended before the year's over that's almost that's like a certainty to me watching his style and him play but that that is his style that's what he does love it or hate it he is a guy who, who gets aggressive gets after people so uh you know that'll be fascinating i was glad to see more fabian moreau he seemed to be in the doghouse going into this week um, so I'm glad to see the opportunity for him to show what he's got. I think evaluation just very important at all these positions right now. And, you know, Cameron Curl, a guy who they like, it's okay to take a step back. It's okay for him to develop a little bit more, give those snaps to Moreau. Uh, and then we saw a little uh, Kendall Fuller at safety as well, which uh, I think might be the best way to arrange the pieces right now. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the corner depth is there. Uh, you know, because I'm with you. I mean, even though Fabian Moreau got beat on that touchdown, which is a great pass from Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels like, you know, based on what we've seen from him, he's, he, he's got some game. I mean, I, I, it's been odd that he lost all his work to a seventh round pick, essentially. And I'm not knocking Cameron Curl, but, you know. It's, I, yeah, no, it's I, a fair I, statement, though. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of curious for for, for sure. Um, here is the thing that sort of struck me beyond the quarterbacks. And that was the, um, and it, it probably struck me more this morning when I looked at the snap counts at, at running back. So obviously I think, I think it's fair to say, if we say Terry McLaurin is the best skill player they have. Yeah. Gibson, Antonio Gibson is probably two. And I would say JD McKissick is number three. It's certainly with Steven Sims out of the lineup. Uh, that's how I would, would, would rank Agreed. it. And, and yet, uh, and I understand why they're playing McKissick a bit more than, than Gibson for, you know, just more of a veteran. Um, and, and that was the case yesterday, but even more so Gibson only played, uh, where, where is this stat here? He only played in uh, 14. He played 27 of their 40 uh, something snaps. I don't have it in front of me. Apologies, but basically he played 37%. That's the fewest percentage of snaps he played in a game since week one in which, you know, it's just odd that you wouldn't play him more it was also odd that in the very first possession of the game which they drove down the field got in field goal position but hop dustin hopkins missed the kick the the running backs the three running backs those two guys plus barber touched the ball on all nine plays that that counted 
the, 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 the snaps are split evenly. I don't understand why Peyton Barber is getting any touches at this point. I mean, he, he, he generates no offense. Um, I think in like the four games this year in which he's had multiple carries, he's averaging less than two yards a carry in every single – two yards or less in every single game. There's just nothing happening there. So I don't get why he's playing at all. I mean, other than just like, you know, you're one-off. But that they decided that they were going to open the game with him involved. I have a theory as to why. I'll share that in a second. What do you, but what's your take on, like, the backfield breakdown and, and, like, where things stand with Gibson, McKissick, and if you want to include Barber, if you want to waste your time, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I would I would shy away from Barber at this point. I've, I've seen it. I mean, he, he's feeling what, you know, Adrian Peterson would have been, the guy who comes in and gets a tough yard every now and then. But I, I think you need to limit him to that. It's okay to have him in there for a play action every once in a while to sell it. But uh, I would definitely be giving the carries to the other two. But you, you teased me, man. What's, what's the theory? Oh, well, so my, my, my theory is that, you know, look, Antonio Gibson is a very unique player. I mean, it's not often that a running back has more receptions in his last year of college than he has carries. He only had 33 carries last year. He was sure. a receiver earlier in his career in Memphis. Once they saw the, the playmaking ability, tried to figure out different ways to get him the ball, and they put him in the backfield. Um, one of the longer stories I did this offseason was about Gibson. Talked to a whole bunch of people throughout his college career. Talked to Greg Cosell, um, you know, his college head coach, some other people. And the only the only consistent thing from everybody was you got to get Gibson the ball. But there was not a consistent thought about where to use him. Cosell was one of the people who thought he's better off in the slot. Uh, when I talked to Chris Cooley after, after uh, during week two, he thought similar with Gibson. I, I when I watch Gibson, and I've heard Cooley talk about this on on his podcast with uh, Kevin Sheehan, G- Gibson he's, he he doesn't seem to have the instincts of a natural running back, which is reasonable considering he has not been a natural running back. And I think that they are missing. It's third and three. Even if Rivera wants to run the ball, I think they're missing a standard running back. Now they had one with Adrian Peterson. I was all I was all in favor of moving on from Peterson. It made sense when you think of it from a long to haul perspective. He's not a great yeah, fit. Still, for Scott. still makes sense, right? He's not a fit for Scott Turner's offense. But that's why Peyton Barber is here to be the poor man's Adrian Peterson, to be the guy who you can give the ball to in those spots. And the reality is, he doesn't get the job done. I mean, it's not just this year. Look at his career. His yards per carry has has dropped every single year of his career and I think right now the problem is they don't have an identity on the ground they don't have anybody they can just ever turn to and I, I you know they signed Jonathan Williams to the practice squad a couple of weeks ago a guy who you know he was on the street for a reason he was you know it was drafted but you know hasn't kind of got anywhere I don't know I'm not saying he's the answer but I do kind of wonder if what their issue is they need a guy who once when they need to can occasionally give the ball to and say you know where the hole is going to be you you have the burst the wiggle whatever it is to make a play go do it and I, I think that's their issue right now is they don't have that guy who could do that right now. Yeah, you know, you'd have to say the odds are that Peyton Barber is not on this team next year, I would think. I, I just don't know that there's enough value added there. And you're right, though. I mean, they, this is an offense that's going to be built around passing, and there's probably a broader conversation about, you know, whether that's the right offense to run in the NFL. But, uh, you know, I, I think Ron Rivera backs it, and that's what Scott Turner is. So, you know, at this point, it, it seems foolish to chase after a an alpha dog running back, knowing that you probably won't use them all that much. Right, right. I mean, I, I like I like what they have. But this also goes like to my I, I thought my biggest takeaway from my training camp with the offense was like how much they were going to use the two backs together. Like, the, yeah, the, we haven't seen much of that. We, we haven't. But it's interesting. I looked this up and I'm, I think I'm going to write about something about this today on The Athletic is. When you look at the percentage of how much they're using 21 personnel, so two running backs uh, and with two, two receivers and a tight end, it's actually very much in line with what Carolina did the last two years, both in terms of where it ranks in the league and percentage of, of plays. The difference, I would argue, of course, is that on this team, those two running backs are, like I said, are probably your second and third best offensive weapon. So to me, it feels like they should be using these guys more together, both to create mismatches, mismatches and also keep them on the field. I mean, McKissick was not on the field on that two point play. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Like that seems weird to me considering he was effective yesterday catching the ball. And also uh, again, he, don't you want your best guys on the field? I, I mean, again, 
far be it for me to tell people who actually know how to call plays and design, design <laughs> a playbook what to do. It just feels like that's something that should uh, that that should be happening. Man, it's you know, and, and I agree with you because it probably should have been on the field. But man, it's a bad football team. It, you know, it's it's well, going to get darker before before the dawn. That's for well, sure. When I'm lament, when I'm pushing for JD McKit more more McKissick, like a more yeah, well, that's tough to hear. <laughs> um. Before we move on to some other randomness, uh, so uh, injuries today. We, we have no updates at this moment. He didn't have updates on Sadiq Charles, on Antonio Gandy-Golden. I guess Isaiah Wright also falls falls in there. Um, you asked the question about where things stand at receiver. Uh, there's always a method to your madness. What was for you? The, what, why, why did you want to specifically talk about? Uh, like you were high in the list of questions. You could have basically asked whatever you wanted. Why did you go to receiver? I had an open board. Yeah, I think it's I think that, you know, especially if you're going to lose one of these other guys, I think you probably need to bring somebody in this week. And, you know, that's, that's tricky to do. But, um, you know, you, you're really running out of options. I am excited, though, to see what Cam Sims brings to the table. I think a lot of people have been waiting for this moment for a long time. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with some regular reps. He might even be the starter Sunday, depending on how all this shakes out. Yeah, I did buy a bunch of Cam Sim stock early in the year, even knowing, telling myself, don't get excited. Don't fall in love with the preseason <laughs> guy. Don't fall in love with the preseason guy. Don't fall in love with the preseason guy. But I, he always seems to make plays. And we saw we saw yesterday. I mean, he only was in there for seven snaps, had that catch. I, I Yeah, I'm with you. I'd love to see what, what he can do, not at the expense of an injury to Gandy Golden or Wright. But I, I would like to see would like to see him out there. Um, for sure. They do have some receivers on the practice squad, but you know, nobody, I don't think that's going to be somebody you have to, uh, you have, you, you have to turn to. Um, M- Michael, I warned you that uh, in my attempt to make this uh, podcast, uh, which by the way, you can subscribe to on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else uh, to try to, to try. I'm, I'm trying things. We're throwing things up at the wall. This is, this is my equivalent of, uh, you know, starting uh, DeShays or Everett after I've gone through uh, Troy Apkins, Sean Davis. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to try. We're going we're gonna to see. We're going to see what happens. Oh, I, I love randomness. Bring on the randomness. This is Bit City, man. I love it. I was. I'm here for this. All right. So here, here's some, here's some randomness. Um, here, here we go. Uh, person you wished follow you followed you on Twitter that does not. Oh, that's a that's a great question. Wow, person who I wish followed me on Twitter. Um, I, and I'm not going to say anybody involved with the football team. I think it's better if they don't have access to my opinions. Um, <laughs> it, it, it could only have negative outcomes. Um, person who I wish follow. Hmm. Well, That's I'll tell you this, as, as you ponder my, my answer, I'm just going, I'm just going big, go big or go home. I'm going Rihanna. Like uh, I, that, that, I feel like if she followed me on like my, everything, my entire existence to that point would be justified. I'm, That's I'm a great on. point. Yeah, I, maybe Obama for the splash value on that. Just just being able to brag about that, dude. He, Obama follows like half a million people on Twitter, and I can't get a follow either. What I what I like, I'll follow like some 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 random person will yell at me on Twitter. I'll put on their profile. They have thirteen followers, and one of them is Barack Obama. I'm like, wait, That's what true. is happening here? Is this person a, is this person a donor? I don't understand. That's tough. Yeah. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. Um, who is your uh, your Mr. Kansas? And maybe I can imagine where this goes. I don't know. Who's your all-time favorite athlete? Uh, Bo Jackson is my all-time favorite athlete. Um, you know, I, it, certainly we we can go down the Kansas basketball roll call, and uh, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. And Bo's Bo's got the the Kansas tie, obviously, with his Royals time. Uh, but how fun was that dude? Like uh, Barry Sanders from Wichita, of course, in that running as well. Uh, I love anybody who you know just. Fun to watch. I, I put Michael Vick in that category. Roberts 2012 was the closest it's been. Who I've seen, you know, I love watching Ovechkin play. Anybody who anytime they take the field, it's like, wow, you know, like we might see something we've never seen before. I, I love seeing that. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, whenever we talk about who's the best athlete in sports, we view it from a performance perspective. But if you took it literally, which is, I think when, 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 when ESPN did the, uh, the best 40 athletes of the 20th century. I think Dick Schapp said he took it literally. And by literally, he went, who's the most athletic guy? And he, I believe his number one pick was Bo, therefore Bo Jackson. And, yeah. and I don't, I think like. Don't as, overthink as, it. Right. As you're aware, I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, shaking the pom-poms for LeBron James. 
But if we if we put this into the category of the best athlete in terms of the you know the the physical spectacle, LeBron is in that company, and Bo Jackson, one hundred percent, to perform at that high level in two sports is really just to mention. Not to mention the greatest Tecmo Bowl player of all time. Uh, oh. <laughs> he is yes for Los Angeles. Yes, uh, he he is. All things come full circle. Back you you can play that game again and be Los Angeles Raiders. Uh, absolutely. All right. Based on a hobby or a habit, what's a Hall of Fame you qualify to enter? I'm in the Bit Hall of Fame. I know that for sure. Um... <laughs> I mean, by the way, speaking of that, you know, I, I, I'm not getting into the um, any of the. Well, how do I say this? I'm not getting into any of the controversial aspects of what of the things that happened out of the park this year but that said one of the things that changed was larry michael no longer part of the organization and that meant he's no longer doing the television show and skin tangibles and his whole thing every week with making the prediction was that was that was a go-to thing for you how are you doing what have you done to replace that aspect of your uh weekly uh weekly rituals yeah i think i'm hurting because i i picked them to win this week against the giants. And so I, I think that that may be my way of, 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 you know, trying to, trying to cope or trying to create my own skin tangibles, uh, Washington football team tangibles. I don't, I don't know, but I, I will not make that mistake again. You have my word on that. Uh, here, I've actually been pretty good this year. I think, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm six and zero in terms of the result and five and one against the spread. I actually took Washington to cover this week, but thought the giants would win that, that needle was threaded. I, I'm, uh, Kind of, kind of happy with. Uh, kind yeah. Of happy with All right, six one. and up, six and up straight up. I, I think you might be the only person on the beat who can make that claim. Yeah, I did take them against the Eagles in Week One. I, I promise. Um, all right, this one's a little more serious, although your answer does not have to be. Uh, beyond family and friends, and hopefully good health, what's one thing you've come to appreciate the most during the pandemic? Yeah, um, you know, just the the company of others is, is so important. And, you know, when, when we were all working from home, I feel like we didn't get that for a while. Like, man, just walking into the press box for that first game, being like, you know, Whoa, like, Hey, I miss this man. Like this is, you know, this, this is what we do. It's we are luckier than most people because we are back to doing what we do. Uh, I'm aware that there are a lot of people, uh, at, you know, and certainly even within my extended family, there's a lot of people who are not back to doing what they do. Uh, so I, I certainly hope they can get back to it soon because I, I feel like, uh, you know, another one is, is, is exercise that like for a while our neighborhood was kind of snooty about like shaming you if you didn't wear a mask around, but I didn't want to wear a mask around while I was like outside on the trails. Um, I think everybody's kind of loosened up on that a little bit, but uh, just the ability to get out and get some fresh air. Uh, I love this time of year, beautiful, beautiful time of year to be in Virginia and, uh, uh, you know, always, always make sure to get outside. Getting yeah, outside, no. man. That's my answer. Just just getting outside, getting some fresh air. That that is a great one because like I definitely I, I'm the epitome of a couch potato. Uh, I could just sit on the couch all day long, either for work or watching nonsense on TV and stuffing my face with food. But because I was stuck indoors for months, not by choice, I was like, the hell with this. I gotta go do something else. Out of I almost out of rebellion. And I definitely have been walking a bunch throughout yeah. this. It's, it's helped me uh drop a couple pounds. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's amazing. I, I didn't appreciate walking <laughs> prior. Walking, prior, walking's prior on the board. Pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, you, you know what I don't miss at all? Being on airplanes, being on airplanes sucks. Uh, I have not done that yet. I know you guys did go to Arizona. I have not uh, done that. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't actually know how I'm going to handle that whenever that, whenever that time comes. Well, I'm, I'm not afraid to fly, but I, this whole situation. Yeah, no, even outside the pandemic, it's just not a pleasurable experience. I don't know. I mean, you, you probably, you probably charter a private jet with the athletics. So, you know, I, I know how you guys are all, but you know, for the rest of us slumming it and coach, man, eh, it's not pleasant. Uh, no, I, I just try to like store myself in the, in the suitcase for one of the Washington post people on the Bezos plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, um, uh, Washington. So, okay, let's so let's take quarterback off the board. Go into the offseason. What's their it, it, whether we're talking about the draft or free agency or whatever? What's the number one top need for them next offseason? Not quarterback. Number one top need, not quarterback. A really good middle linebacker. Um, somebody who can run the defense. Somebody who can who can make it. Luke Keekley. Yeah, you know, they got to find their Luke Keekley. That that's a position 
where they're duct taping it together. And I think that's a position where it's not always wise to duct tape it together. All right. So since yesterday or this weekend, you had to do a road trip, drove up to uh, up to New York and then back. I want to know your your ultimate road trip partner. Now, you have to pick somebody who is currently with the team. And then you have to pick somebody who's on the beat. You can skip me uh, since I'm here, but on the team and then somebody on the beat. This is an easy call to pick Tress Way uh, because like Tress Way, I, I'm a big trivia connoisseur. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy watching Jeopardy every night. Uh, you know, I trivial pursuit, all that. So I think we would have a good time conversing. I, I don't know Tress Way's musical choices, but I, I feel like we would, I feel like we would be able to share share the iPod and get along for the most part. I think that's important as well, because uh, because I'm a big music guy, you know. So, so we need we need to at least be be somewhat on the same page there. Um, uh, pick somebody on the beat. You know, I road tripped with Paul Woody for a long time with with the Times Dispatch. Um, Paul Paul is a silence guy. Did not like uh, music in the car, so that was that was not my style wow. uh, right there. Uh, did didn't quite work out for him. I'd see, I think you'd be a great road trip partner. Um, I'm not blowing smoke up, you know, that'd be a good one. JP and Pete, Mitch, those guys are all very fun, of course. Um, John Kime, I, I think, would bring good coffee, probably. Um, so that would be an upside to taking John Kime. Uh, Rhiannon would be fun. She'd, she'd fill the car with some good chatter. Um, who's, who's on the post crew these days? Sam, Nikki. I, it's, a good, it's a good room right now. Um, oh, I'm not, so yeah, basically. Dude, it's, it's take, hang on, it's taking me this long to get to the real answer. It's Russell. It's got to be. <laughs> Come on, yeah. Six hours with Russell, man. You'd have you'd have enough stories to last a lifetime. See, this is the difference between you and me. I think I even said this to you the other day. Is like I'm. I would I would view the answer as purely like what's going to make me feel the most comfortable or or not uncomfortable. And you're the opposite. You're like, oh, I want all the weirdness possible <laughs> because this is going to be. This is I I I find like life's peculiarities fascinating this is this is a major difference between the two of us um we we have very few tv people now though i, I was realizing that while i ran through it very few tv regulars uh you know i'm, I'm kind of not counting jp in that group because he does it all and, and does the podcast but you know local tv used to be we used to know the, those people really well and now I, I feel like i do not know the local tv anchors all as well as i used to fair enough um, I have one more question for you, but as to be fair, I'm going to give the guest an opportunity to ask me one question. You can ask me something I just ask you or whatever you got. I'm going to, I'm going to buck up here. I'm going to stiffen up and try to do yeah, best I can. What do you, what do you got? Uh, make, you make you uncomfortable here. I like it. Um, favorite sport to cover. That's not one of the big four or, or just watch. Well, I'll tell you what, in the local circuit, the, the event every year that I get excited for the now, unfortunately, because of the Washington football team schedule under normal times, I can no longer cover or attend is the city open. Oh, um, great choice. I, I love it. I think the tennis tour is so fascinating. I know people don't view if we're going to if we talk about sports gladiators what that image I know people don't view tennis players it kind of you know the, the, you know they're not the ones you're gonna like ha have on your side during a brawl but it's the only sport in which the competitor goes into the arena by themselves and is there the whole time the, I mean yes I know technically the coaches are in the stands and there's like sketch signaling whatever but good or bad you're there by yourself so you're out there for three hours four or five six hours three two three four five sets whatever it is that's it. It's just you. And, and the mentality of that for those people, when you talk to them, those people are nuts. And, but I mean, like, in a, in a, they're really, they're really introspective. They, they can really like, if you're on the tennis beat, I don't think you have to worry about getting good quotes, uh, other than <laughs> like some language barrier stuff. These people can, can, it feels like you're constantly in a therapy session with them. They're on the couch dissecting what it means to do this. They also like travel the world. They do have some parties but like they may just be by themselves too I, I that whole sport is as fascinating and the access that we have I mean I don't have a ton of access because I'm not uh, whenever I'm there I'm not like some highfalutin person but just like you know they're around and I I just find it fascinating so that that's the one that's the one for me excellent answer um all right last question here with Michael Phillips uh I don't know if you were aware of this but a lot of things happened this year with the Washington football team news to me yeah few things happened 
What's the number one moment from 2020 that will prove most significant with this franchise moving forward? So it could be something as big as yeah. all the controversial yeah, no, stuff, or it could be something as Dwayne Haskins getting benched, whatever it is. What's the number one thing moving forward? Um, here's, here's what it is. I'm going to go really granular on you here. Cause, cause when the, when the Washington post story came out, I thought, you know, this is all terrible stuff. And like, you know, this is bad, but, Dan Snyder will not have to sell the team. And I, I think that's kind of viewed as like the big outcome, Dan Snyder potentially selling the team. Then there was a follow-up story about a month ago in the Washington Post that Dan Snyder had hired private investigators to go to some of the women's homes and interrogate them on their stories. And I read that and I thought, oh, like that cha- that is such a shift in what this story is is like that's dan aggressively moving to kill the story and that tells me that like there may be he might be worried that he loses the team ultimately like because i any pr person would tell you he's got very high paid pr people working for any pr person would tell you let this blow over let this blow over say nothing you know do your apology run but he puts out the statement like vigorously denying it then he sends the private investigators we get the allegations of Dwight Shar trying to steal the team from him that is the biggest story to follow I don't think it's close it's hard to argue with the idea of Snyder because I mean one of my pet pet answers no matter what I always mention this with regards to the Wizards when people would always say to me you got to fire Ernie Grunfeld fire Ernie Grunfeld and I'm like you do understand somebody's employing him right at the end of the day, the person who's employing this person sets some parameters and seems comfortable with his job. And if that's the case, then you have to ask, well, what's going to happen next with this person? And so it always comes down to who's the owner of these teams, ultimately, on so many levels. And yeah, no matter what happens with Ron Rivera or any of these people that come in and out, there's one constant. And what, what happens to him is, is, is definitely uh, the, the, the big story. Um, I was going to say, and I think your answer is probably more spot on than mine because it is a much bigger picture story for me though it is it's another Dan Snyder thing specifically after that second Washington Post story and there were two statements released by the team in theory one was by Dan Snyder specifically that was very him coming hot saying you know that you know there's a hit job or whatever he was pushing back on a lot of this stuff and the other one was from the team under you know with Jason right now in charge on the on that side that was exactly what you would have imagined, you know, a, a sense of introspection. Hey, we're going to do better, things like that. The, the fact that you had to have dueling messages, I think, says a lot about where things still are with this team. That no matter what changes are made, who is hired, Dan Snyder still is not operating this the way I think people would hope he would. And ultimately, that's going to be so you're sort of to connecting to what you're saying. I don't think things are really going to change if he doesn't change. And that doesn't seem that we don't have we have we have no signs that that's actually going to happen. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, it's wild. Wild stuff. All right, man, I've kept you long enough. You've got to go back to living life and uh, playing with – do you have, like, any bales of hay in your backyard just for – just? I'm going to go, t- I'm gonna go toss around some bales of hay. Um, my, my phone is at 6% battery right now. I, 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 was, I was sweating this for a minute, but, I, but we crossed the finish line, uh, so that is excellent. I'm going to go write a story for tomorrow's Richmond Times-Dispatch and uh, – I'm actually, I'm, I'm boning up on, uh, brushing up on my election coverage. Uh, I'll be helping out on election night here. Uh, so, which, which always, uh, always gets me excited. It's a fun, fun night, a lot of, a lot of action. And uh, uh, we got an exciting Richmond mayoral race to, to take you all the way into the weeds. So uh, I'm going to brush up on that today. I, I have to say, I like the fact that our bye week is election week. Yeah. That, that, that kind of works out great. Cause I'm sure we'll, I'll have to write, but Maybe not. <laughs> there won't be anything pressing. We hope. Uh, hopefully, they. Well, I guess it is technically trade trade deadline week, so who knows what happens? But uh, yeah, hopefully, there's nothing too crazy happening, so we can focus on the election and let that sink in one way or the other. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, I right, man, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody. Go read Michael. You already follow him on Twitter at Michael P R T D. Uh, appreciate it, man. Talk soon. Thank you, Ben. All right, many thanks to uh, Michael Phillips with the Richmond Times-Dispatch for stopping by. Thank you all for listening. Definitely, like I said, really appreciate the feedback. Uh, obviously, the 
I, I, you know, I like I like when people say nice things, so I'll take that. But any thoughts you have, hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig, email bstandig at theathletic.com, which is, of course, where you can check me out. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys. Please subscribe to iTunes. I won't tell you how, how to rate, but look, obviously, you know, five stars is better. <laughs> Makes me look better. And hopefully you guys think, th- think we're putting out good stuff. Like I said, a lot more to come, at least another podcast this week, maybe two. I'm excited to show you guys what I've got going on. Uh, at The Athletic and what's kind of going on in this uh, brain of mine, for better or for worse. All right, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time.